Alright, so after waiting for a long, long time for football, for Giants football, uh, finally got it on Monday night, the first meaningful Giants game since Week 12 last year uh, with that game against Dallas when they had a chance to make a move in the NFC East and they didn't. And uh, all the offseason fears, all the, the the nightmares about what the offense might bring uh, after the preseason came true on Monday night in Detroit and uh, a terrible 35-14 opening season loss for the Giants. And here to talk Giants football with me today and uh, look back on that loss and look ahead to the rest of the season is Ed Valentine of Big Blue View. Ed, how's it going today? Good. How are you, Neil? I'm doing well. You know, I, I'd be doing a lot better. Um, I, I wrote last year, you know, after week one, I called it the, the disaster in Dallas. Uh, today I said it was the debacle in Detroit. Uh, it just seems like, you know, everyone was worried about this offense after what went on in preseason with them not really getting it under control and under wraps. And certainly it's going to take time, but I, I think people expected more once uh, once real football, once meaningful regular season football started. It just wasn't there on Monday night. Well, well, no, it wasn't. But, you know, let's let's look at the let's look at the positive side of this. The very first play last year was an intercepted screen pass. The very first offensive play this year w- was a two-yard loss. <laughs> so, so, so that's improvement, isn't it? <laughs> they didn't turn the ball over on the first play. <laughs> uh, I, I guess when you look at it that way, uh, and actually when I compared uh, the loss to Detroit to the loss last year in Dallas, you know, even though they blew that game last year in week one and they had a chance to win it, um, and at the time, we didn't know they'd get off to a terrible 0-6 start. But at least in that game, you know, Eli threw for 450 yards. Cruz had three touchdowns. Both Cruz and Knicks had over 100 yards receiving. So there was promise there. But when you look at what happened last night, whether it's, you know, the offense, whether it's Eli, whether it's McAdoo's play calling, the receivers, the secondary, there's really nothing promising to take away from that performance. Well, I think you're right. There's very little to take away that, that you can really look at and, and feel good about. Um, you know, it's difficult because the one thing the Giants really hoped to, to hang their hat on was defensively, you know, they thought they would be able to cover people. And, uh, you know, Stevie Brown and, uh, and Dominic Rogers Cromarty seemed to do a good job of covering each other, you know, last night, but, uh, but they kind of forgot about Calvin Johnson. So that, that, wasn't, uh, that wasn't encouraging at all because this defense, while the offense is a work in progress, you know, which is the word that Tom Coughlin always uses or the phrase that he always uses, this defense has got to be solid this defense has got to, you know, to hold people down. It can't be giving up 67-yard touchdowns. The defense has got to hold up. And last night it was it was discouraging to to see the defense dig the Giants a 14 and nothing hole right away. Yeah, and the, and those early uh, Calvin Johnson plays, and, and granted he is the best wide receiver in the game, but um, after what we heard about the Giants secondary, and you know it arguably being called the best possible secondary in the NFL, which um, certainly it's not after that performance. But you know those those Calvin Johnson touchdowns sort of reminded me of those Deshaun Jackson touchdowns, where um, you know third and long plays, and all of a sudden he's by himself with not a you know not a you know one giant on the on the TV screen to look at, and he just coasts in, sort of you know could walk in at that point into the end zone. And I guess you know Calvin Johnson's going to beat you at some point, but you don't really think it's going to happen the way it did in that early. No, you would have liked to have seen the Giants be competitive, and you would have liked to have have seen the Giants make him earn that and basically you know basically they they handed it to him I mean Matthew Stafford did all the work basically getting uh 
you know, avoiding the rush, and then the Giants just gifted them the touchdown on that. So the defense is concerning, and, you know, that that is a problem that the Giants don't need, you know, because you expect for them to, to have some bumps in the road as the, you know, as the offense develops if the offense can develop i mean, personally i'm i'm very concerned at this point not so much about the play calling even not so much about the offensive line i think that the offensive line is there's talent there it's just a matter of you have a group that hasn't played together and it's very difficult when guys haven't played together it's difficult to pick up blitzes it's difficult to to make sure that that the guy next to you, you know, knows his assignment. So guys aren't sure of each other at this point. But what what I'm really concerned about is the lack of playmaking, you know, at the receiver position. This offense just isn't going to function unless the receivers play better than they did last night. Well, to start the game, they get down in a in a seven nothing hole right away with the with the huge Calvin Johnson play, and uh, that came on a third and nine and. And right before that play happened, I was watching the game with my girlfriend. And I said, "You know, this is the this is a Giants play that has been backbreaking for, um, you know, I'm relatively young at 27, but for my the majority of the time I've been watching Giants football since I was little, it's those third and longs that they can never seem to, you know, get off the field when they need to. And last night the Lions go 15, 10 for 15 on third down, um, two of the third downs, a third and nine ended up in a 67 yard touchdown to Calvin Johnson, and then the third and 13 ended up in a in a 16." yard touchdown pass to him and you know whether it was a long time ago and donovan McNabb and westbrook or whether it became jackson deshaun jackson later on it was always the eagles that sort of stuck it to them on those third and longs and it just seems like no matter who's on this roster no matter what the personnel is the the new york giants as an organization always have trouble with those third and longs it's very frustrating that uh you know you get a team in third and third and 11 third and 12 you know second and 18 whatever the situation might be and you give up you know you give up a 25 yard play or you give up a 43 yard play uh, which i think the giants gave up both of those in those situations last night you you have to be able to get off the field and these are the kinds of things that i'm talking about the giants are depending on this defense to to contain you know opposing teams and you simply don't win in the nfl if you can't get off the field on third and long you know the Giants have got to give this offense some room to breathe, and uh, and it is very disturbing because you you just have to be able to make plays in in those you know in those uh, those situations. Well, for the longest time, whether it was uh, you know writing about him or tweeting about him, uh, I was a huge critic of Kevin Gilbride. And um, when the Giants get the ball for the first time against the Lions, uh, they run a series that looks very similar to something Kevin Gilbride would call. They, they run with Jennings for negative two yards. They run him again for one yard. And then on third and 11, when they you know the whole world knows they're passing, Eli throws an incomplete pass to Jarrell Jernigan. And uh, that same series actually happened again later in the game where they ran with Jennings, ran with Jennings, and then threw a pass to Jernigan. And they went to Jernigan time and time again. I mean, he, he was targeted seven times and uh, 21% of Eli's, you know, pass attempts went to Jarrell Jernigan and this is a guy who's probably the fifth or sixth best offensive option on the team and and they're treating him almost like he's you know Steve Smith uh, 2009 or Victor Cruz 2011. 
Well, I don't know if they're treating him quite that way or if it was just the circumstance. The fact of the matter is, until until Jernigan, until Ruben Randall, until Larry Donnell, until some of these other guys prove that to opposing defenses that they need to be respected, Victor Cruz is going to get all kinds of attention from opposing defenses. You know, he'll get double teamed, he'll get knocked around in the slot. Teams are going to try to make it very difficult for the Giants to get the ball uh, to get the ball to Cruz. So the guys that are going to the guys that are going to be available are Jernigan, you know, Randall, uh, you know, whoever's in the game at tight end. And those guys are going to have to make plays in order for in order for the Giants to to be able to find Cruz once in a while. I know that Cruz today was. I don't know if he was necessarily complaining, but he did tell the media today that that for the Giants' offense to to function, that he needs the ball thrown in his direction more often. And uh, as I, I put on Twitter, I agree with that, but there's also a problem with that. Cruz also has to look in the mirror because in the six times he was targeted last night, he made three really bad plays. Um, on the second interception that Eli threw, you know it was a uh, it was a poor throw by Manning, but with a better effort from Cruz, at the very least, that's an incomplete pass because Cruz, if you watch the video, Cruz is simply standing still in the open field waiting for the ball to get there, while the Detroit defender is breaking on the ball and making an interception. You know, Cruz just didn't make enough effort. You know, from my perspective, in that case to to make a play on the ball and he also did drop two passes that would have been first downs for the Giants so so while I agree that he needs the ball more often the Giants need Cruz to make plays when the ball comes in his direction as well I agree and and the thing with Cruz is early on he he was uh making his frustrations known with his uh you know, with his actions on the field when he wasn't getting the ball early on. And then as the game went on, like you said, um, they started going to him and he, he was dropping balls, bobbling balls, making, you know, not making catches he, he's used to making. And, uh, you know, he, when Hakeem Nix was on this team, I, I was his biggest fan. And, and granted, he never found the end zone last year. He didn't, he didn't play in all the games. And, um, you know, maybe he sat out a few times when he probably should have been and could have been in the lineup and sort of played his way out of town. But, Nick's to me was always the guy who was the true number one receiver on the field, and he was the team, or uh, he was the guy that the other teams were the most worried about. And I think you know the coverages of him over the years led to Cruz uh, becoming what he is, led to his production, led to his value, and the Giants in turn decide to pay him, and then they decide not to pay Nix at all, and he goes to Indianapolis. But I think you're finally seeing you know life without Akeem Nix and and without Victor Cruz, you know, like a middle of the order hitter uh, in baseball, you know, without that protection, protection, he's just not the same player. Well, I think that you're probably right there. You know, the problem is that the Giants basically had this same situation last year because, you know, Knicks was not a dominant player. I mean, Knicks hadn't been a dominant player for the Giants since 2011. He was hurt in 2012. He simply wasn't. He was mediocre at best last year, uh, at times probably disinterested. Um, You know, my honest feeling about Knicks was that – you know, from even from before training camp, he he knew from day one when the when the Giants got together, he knew he was leaving, or he knew his intent was to leave, 
and his his intent seemed to be more to simply try to protect himself through the season and get through the year without suffering a major injury um, than it was to actually try to make plays last year. So, so I, I'm not a big fan of, of the way that Nick's approached last year. But to your point, Victor Cruz is a terrific slot receiver, but he's a smaller guy. He's not a dominant outside wide receiver. He's not Calvin Johnson. He's not Larry Fitzgerald. He's not, you know, a guy like that. He needs he needs productive wide receivers on the outside. And that's why, you know, why the Giants drafted Odell Beckham Junior. Uh and that's why, you know, his absence, the fact that he's been hurt, you know, basically the entire season to this point, you know, all through training camp and everything. That really hurts the Giants because Reuben Randall's not a number one wide receiver. Jarrell Jernigan is out of place playing on the outside. You know, I have my problems with Jernigan, you know, with some of his route running and, and, and certain things, but Jernigan is being asked to do something for the Giants that that really is not his thing. He should be a slot receiver, um, and, uh, you know, he. And in that role, you know, that's where Cruz is for the Giants. So the only place for Jernigan to play is on the outside, and it's not his strength. So the, the Giants definitely have some issues on the outside. With Beckham, uh, like you said, missing basically the whole season at this point and uh, certainly getting on the wrong side of Tom Coughlin because of, uh, you know, the length of this injury. And, I, I mean, if he's really injured, he can't play, he can't play. But um, it seems like the head coach is frustrated that that, that their number one pick uh, wasn't on the field, you know, throughout preseason, hasn't had the time to get in on this offense, get in uh, with the, the number one team, uh, grow chemistry with Eli Manning. And uh, that that certainly plays a big role in, in where they're at and where they're at last night because, uh, you know, there, there was no protection for Cruz because he's being asked now to be the number one guy in a slot spot. Uh, you know, what's the best-case scenario, do you think? Uh, I mean, what are we looking at here, five more weeks possibly without Beckham? Well, I've written, and I will stand by this, that I really don't think Odell Beckham Jr. is going to to be a significant help to the Giants until the second half of the season. I really don't know. Tom Coughlin said last week that he thought it would be two or three more weeks for Beckham. Now, whether he meant two or three more weeks before Beckham could practice or two or three more weeks before Beckham could play uh, wasn't clear. But even if it's, suppose it's two more weeks before he can practice, I mean, you realize that he really didn't practice in OTAs he practiced a few times in training camp in games. He's months and months behind. So to expect him to be productive as soon as he begins to practice simply isn't realistic. It's going to take several weeks of of practicing every day before he's able to really be a productive part of this offense. And that's why I just don't expect the Giants to get much from him until the second half of the season. Well, no matter what the receivers do, it does come down to the guy who throws them the ball and Eli Manning. And, uh, you know, I am uh, among the biggest Eli fans. You know, I back him up 
Um, I support him as if he was uh, almost a family member, and uh, you know, I I, I, tr- I try to defend him against critics, and and there's many of them, especially after last year and the way last night went. Um, but but like I wrote, you know, he can't do this by himself. No no quarterback could. Uh, he you know everyone has to learn the offense. It's not just him. The receivers have to catch the balls, but and mainly his offensive line has to give him more than a split second to to drop back and get a pass off. And that certainly wasn't the case last night. And the times um, you know he finally got free was you know him doing that himself and, and breaking free and and extending himself toward the sideline because there was no pocket for him to throw the ball in. But uh, when you look at this offensive line, I mean it, it, it's not good. It's not it's not going to get better. And uh, anytime soon and, and it's just something they're gonna have to work with but this certainly has to be the biggest problem with the team oh i think it's definitely an issue i think you're right in the fact that eli can't do this by himself and, and i'm with you in that i've always been a, a guy who's been supportive of eli manning uh i will you know i will say that you know there's a drop off from the Peyton Manning, Drew Brees, you know, Tom Brady to, you know, to Eli and, and to the next tier of quarterbacks. Um, you know, and, and I know a lot of people wouldn't even put Eli in that second tier anymore. And I certainly, I certainly can't argue with that based on the numbers from last year and, and the way that, that Monday night went. The fact that, you know, and Eli was definitely – you know, a lot of what happened last year was was circumstances that were out of Eli's control, uh, but he definitely wasn't good. Now, you know, last night I look at and I think, you know, I, I felt sorry for him last night because he, he really had no chance. He had wide receivers and, and tight ends who who weren't doing what he expected them to do. Um, he had you know, too many guys who couldn't get it open. He, you know, he hit guys in the hands. I think I think the Giants dropped three passes, three or four passes on him last night. Um, you know, and he spent, he, he spent, you know, a, a great deal of time either running for his life or flat on his back. And you simply can't, you, you can't play quarterback in the NFL that way. He, he really had no help last night. And unless, Unless that gets better, uh, I just don't see how he survives the entire season healthy. Well, that's a scary thought because, uh, you know, going back to his first game back in 04, he's played every game since then. And uh, and, and he played, uh, you know, under Kevin Gilbride forever, and now he's playing under Ben McAdoo. And you watch uh, McAdoo call these plays, and, and certainly one game isn't a sample size to – to you know, start calling for uh, his firing or calling for them to get rid of him, which which certainly isn't going to happen. Uh, and maybe Tom Coughlin wishes it would happen because it seems like all along he was against this movement, but it was bound to happen with the way uh, the offense had been going since the Super Bowl a couple years ago. But you you look at the way this offense is built. And they've got Eli out there, you know, using hand signals and almost like sign language. Uh, he's not screaming Omaha. He's not screaming who's who's got the mic. He's making sort of you know corkscrew motions with his hands pointing at people the tight end doesn't know where to move to uh the receivers are going back and forth and then when they finally get the playoff you know people aren't even looking at him when he throws the ball to them so i i trust in that eli learned this offense and he learned it um you know as well as anybody could in the amount of time since mcadoo became the offensive coordinator mm-hmm. um i i probably side with him more than the fact that i believe probably his receivers aren't on the same page as him but 
when you look at this McAdoo offense, I mean, I know you certainly watched it throughout the whole entire preseason. Um, you watched it last night. You've seen every snap or every series. It's been this way. And going forward, it has to worry you a great deal about where it's headed and if it will even work out. Oh, I think uh, I think you're right there. I think, you know, the issue is, you know, you can't really go crazy about play calling at this point. You can't really go crazy about, you know, is the philosophy going to work? Uh, what it comes down to is the execution and the players that are on the field. And this is the same thing that, that I was saying last year with Kevin Gilbride. I mean, people who who wanted to, to call him kill drive and the whole fire Gilbride thing and all of that. No offensive coordinator, I don't care who it was, was going to be successful with the offensive line that the Giants trotted out there last year and the, the ineptitude that they had at the running back position. It simply wasn't going to work. And, and right now, you know, what we saw Monday night, the play calls didn't matter because they couldn't block anything. They couldn't block, you know, for the running plays, uh, and they they couldn't give Manning time to throw the ball even on short routes. You know, his guys his guys couldn't get open. He didn't have time to throw. So you can't run any sort of an offense, no matter what the scheme is, no matter what the play call is, when you can't block. And unless that offensive line shows signs of improvement, this offense isn't going to show signs of improvement. Now, if I can, you know, I think there's reason to be somewhat optimistic about the offensive line. Justin Pugh is a very good player. I think Weston Richburg, the second-round pick, is going to be a very good player. I think, you know, Will Beattie had a horrible year last year. I think he should be better this year, you know, and, and it's going to take him some time because he missed so much of, of preseason and camp because of the broken leg. I think there's reason to be optimistic that this line can be at least adequate, you know, that what we saw last night shouldn't continue all year. You know, but if it does, this offense has no chance. Well, the one uh, the one bright spot I'd say of the offense last night was Rashad Jennings, uh, his Giants debut, uh, forty six yards rushing, which is pretty impressive when you consider the the fact that, like you said, this offensive line can't block, it can't stand anybody up, uh, but can't really create holes for the running backs. But forty six yards uh, on the ground, and then another fifty receiving, and he had that touchdown um, to go with it. And and I think you know, out of all the players last night, he's the one guy where you could really say uh, you know was a positive in the in the entire game. Oh, I do like Jennings, and I think that he will do a good job. I think that he's a solid guy. He can catch. He can pass block. He can run. You know, uh, the guy who I thought did step up, he made the one mistake on uh, on Eli's first interception. But I did think that Larry Donnell, the tight end, made some plays for Eli last night. And that was a positive sign for the Giants because – you know, tight end has been such an issue for them, and uh, and they really need a, you know a consistent tight end. They need a guy that can make some catches in the middle of the field. So, so Danell was a guy that I thought you know I thought you know gave them some positive signs last night as well. No, you're right about that. I actually uh, that's my fault. I should have included Larry Danell because um, you know there wasn't. 
really any expectations for him or any tight end that was going to play for the Giants this year. And, uh, you know, he came away looking strong and looking like someone who could fill the void that they've been looking for. And I think, uh, like you said, him along with Jennings, uh, both bright spots. And uh, while Andre Williams didn't really get a chance uh, – you know, he was in the game here and there. Uh, I think he was targeted once, and uh, he had a couple, um, you know, rushes late in the game. But uh, he's a guy that everyone seems to believe is going to be a big player in this league and a big player for the Giants. Uh, you know, maybe not this year, maybe maybe later on in the year, but sometime down the road here. And, uh, you know, you didn't really get that from last night because it was it was a limited sample size. But um, aside from that, aside from last night, what you saw from him in preseason and uh, heading into this season, you know, did, did you expect or do you expect big things from Williams down the road? Oh, I do. I think, I think Williams can be a very good back. I think the difficulty for him remains uh, pass protection and, and catching the pass. I think there was one play last night where, you know, where he did miss a block in pass protection. And when the Giants are in that situation where they're behind and, you know, in the second half they're behind, they have to throw. You know, they have they don't have much going on. You know, you're not using the running game the way that you would like to. Uh, the fact that, that his, uh, his development, you know, in the passing part of the game is a work in progress kind of makes it hard to put him on the field but I do love what happens with him you know with the ball in his hands he's got a lot of energy he runs hard he's 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 quicker and a little shiftier I think than the Giants thought he was so I think he's going to be a very good player but as you as you indicated I think it's just going to take some time well, uh, whether it's my Giants fandom or me just being excited about the football season, you know, I, I, I uh, stupidly thought that they could head to Detroit and, and pick up a win. And when they were down fourteen nothing early, and they and they get that touchdown thanks to you know the Lions' sloppiness and their penalties, uh, I thought you know maybe this is a Giants football game, a typical you know put ourselves in a hole early, shoot ourselves in the foot, and then try to uh, create or build a comeback after that. And and it didn't work out, and that wasn't the case, but. Now looking ahead, I mean, this schedule isn't that difficult, and, and certainly the NFC East uh, with the Cowboys and, and, and the disastrous situation they have um, and the Redskins losing and the, and the Eagles, who are really probably the only uh, you know team that doesn't have that many issues, even though it would have been nice if uh, Jacksonville could have held on the other day. But the NFC East is, is certainly there for the taking. The schedule's not that hard. They've got back-to-back home games coming up against Arizona and Houston. And uh, you know, what did you think about this Giants team, and what did you think they could do record-wise before the season started, and has that changed at all for you now that you've seen them play a game? Well, you know, nobody wants to overreact to one game. I've said, you know, for a while that that looking at what the Giants are trying to do, all the changes that they made, uh, this, and, and I wasn't certain, and I'm still not certain about the talent level on the roster. I look at it, and I've said that this season could go anywhere from a five and eleven season to you know to a ten or eleven win season. And, you know, and, and entering Monday, I wasn't sure. I mean, coming off of Monday, I would probably lean more toward a five or six win season. Uh, you know, I I would like to be wrong about that. <laughs> I would like to be wrong, but you know, I think we started our conversation with the idea that they didn't give you much to be optimistic about. So, you know, it would be different if they lost and Eli put up 400 yards passing and it was a shootout. 
you know, and they made some plays on defense and created a couple turnovers, but but they just didn't give you anything on either side of the ball to to really get excited about. Well, now they're home against Arizona, and then they've got Houston the following week. So a couple of home games here for them to get back on track, followed by Washington. Um, like you said, it's certainly the you know this team. Uh, you never know what to expect from the Giants. They're certainly not good when they have expectations around them. They're better when they can fly under the radar. And anything from a five win to an eleven win season, I don't think would surprise anyone. Uh, they're going to need to get the offense going here. And now with their next opponent, Arizona, who's coming off a, a Monday night win of their own, and, and they're a pretty solid team all the way around especially on defense and and even though the Giants are heading home and Arizona's got to fly across the country um I just don't know if in the next six days the offense uh under this new system will improve enough to give us uh something to look forward to and some sort of hope uh, coming this Sunday at MetLife well I, I agree I mean I think what you're asking at this point is to play turnover free football you know, you're not you're not going to look at them and expect you know a 35 or 40 point outburst. What you're asking the offense to do is to not hurt you, not turn the ball over, uh, you know, and not not give points to the opposition. You know, I look at the whole. I don't know how Sunday's going to go. I think Sunday could be you know a, a difficult game for the Giants. There are winnable games coming up. You know, Houston. Uh, Washington, Dallas, they're winnable games, but I don't know if you even if, I don't know if you look at any of those games right now and consider the Giants to be, you know, the favorite in any of those games. I think you need to see more. But uh but it's it's tough at this point. It, it like I said, it's just after Monday it's hard to 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 feel optimistic. I agree, and, and that's the the tough thing is because all you have to go off of is one game. So mm-hmm. until the next game, they've only played uh, you know one game in the last uh, nine plus months. So um, certainly it, it sucks to go off a loss, and especially a twenty one point loss. But um, can't do anything about it till Sunday. But you know, Ed, I thank you for your time today, and uh, you know we'll have to talk more throughout this season, and hopefully the next time we talk, things are a little different uh, for us and for the Giants, and hopefully we have something positive to talk about. Hey, thanks for having me, Neil. I appreciate it. Anytime, uh, anytime you want a few minutes, uh, I'd be happy to come on. All right, Ed. Thanks again. Take care.